Dear friends, have you ever felt foolish? Do you like to feel foolish? I'm sure nobody likes to feel foolish, but inevitably it, it does happen. We forget to check the fuel gauge and we're there partway and we run out of gas. That make you feel foolish? Yeah. Or we neglect something like uh, those rolls in the oven that were meant for the guests and oh no. And once these things are discovered, you look foolish. Fortunately, most of these things that we're talking about here are temporary and, and can be fixed. It may cost us. We have to get somebody to bring us some gas or we just wasted uh, some flour and other ingredients or whatever. And in some families, you never live this thing down, do you? But there is one time when we especially don't want to look foolish, and that's when Jesus will come back to this world to stand on this earth as our judge. We want to be prepared. And we have the knowledge to be prepared. We, we know Jesus, and we know what he's done for us, and, and we can stand there on the right side of him. Uh, yet so many in this world do not know that. In fact, they fight against this. Uh, they have a different kind of so-called wisdom, and it can be very logical-sounding. It can be nice-sounding, but it does not prepare us for this. But it can be tempting. And so we want to be prepared. And so Paul writes some words, a section in 1 Corinthians, that helps us to, to uh, be prepared. Uh, he, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words so that we can overcome the temptation to look at the world's wisdom instead of looking at the wisdom of the cross. So we read, first of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made, their, made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the wisdom of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and, and Greeks look for wisdom. Now, this is one area where the smartest, the brightest, the wisest, the most intelligent in this world, most of them fail. And that is they do, finding God. They do not find God. They did not know him, as our text says. They do not know him. Some say they have found God, but it's not the true God. It's not the one who saves us. Others, in an attempt to give an answer to this problem, will try to say, contrary to their own conscience, that there is no God. 
And we're on our own in this world. Now, how do the people in this world go about trying to find God, find meaning in life, find what it's all about? The Christians in Corinth had two distinct groups of people that were looked up to for their, for their wisdom to, to solve this. Um, there were the teachers of the law, and there were the philosophers of this age. Understand, maybe we should look at where we are here. This is the bottom half or bottom two-thirds of Greece. Corinth is on this little isthmus right here. It's a very small neck of land that connects the Peloponnesus on the south to the rest of Greece to the north. Uh, it's a very um, important tra a transportation point because anything going from the north to the south has to go over this little isthmus. And also, sea trade from the east to the west or back and forth, especially up into to Italy, it would be easier to go, it's a long ways around this thing, but if you go up here, cross over, it's four miles across here, Haul the stuff over, put it on another ship was what they originally did. Later, there were, there were times they would uh, take the ships and roll them across on logs and then put them back in the water on the other side. There were, in fact, efforts to build a uh, canal across this from ancient times, finally accomplished in the 1800s. Um, but it was a very important hub of transportation and, in fact, in Paul's day was a more important city a more flourishing city than Athens. Let's see if I can get my finger over there to Athens. Yeah, it's over there to the, in the bigger letters there, just straight east of Corinth across a little bit of water there. Uh, <clears throat> it was also, it had a lot of soldiers, a lot of uh, sailors, and it was kind of a rowdy city too. So this is the situation. We have, it's a Greek uh, area with a significant population of Jews living in its midst, because they were also traitors. So being a part of Greek society, the philosophers, Paul calls them the philosophers of this age, were the smartest, uh, most intelligent people. They might have hung out in the, in the market area that people looked up to for understanding the things in this world. And then there were the teachers of the law among the Jewish people. They were also looked up to. Now, the Greek philosophers, it was their job to sit and think and theorize and come up with ways that this world is connected, how things work in this world, how human beings work. From a previous era, there were people like Plato and, and Socrates were some of the more famous ones, but there were many, and, and people looked up to them for uh, how do things work in this world. Now, Scripture tells us, and our own conscience tells us, that if you simply look around in the world, you will see evidence of God's power, and his wisdom and all of, of creation. It's just evident there. Uh, but 
The philosophers of that age refused to see this. Um, and then comes the wisdom of the cross into this, and it doesn't fit. A few weeks before Paul entered Corinth, he had stopped in Athens. And there he talked to some of the philosophers, and they wanted to hear more from him. So he decided he's going to tell them about the true God, the one who created everything, the one who made us all one. Until he got to the point where he's talking about the one appointed by God to save the world was raised from the dead. And these flowers, no, stop right there. That can't happen. We don't want to listen to any more of this. And that's the attitude of the world. Um, the philosophy, philosophers of this world had failed to discover God and were frustrated by anything like a preaching of a cross or a resurrection. Uh, <clears throat> he refused to listen. So the first truth we learn, and we're going to see this a couple times, is the wisdom of the world is frustrated by the wisdom of the cross. Meanwhile, in the religious community, and here we'll portray it with, that's the uh, remains of the statue of the, of the temple to Apollo. See, Greek people were religious, but also there was the Jewish community. There was a synagogue in Corinth, uh, so they had a significant Jewish population. And among them, it was the teachers of the law or the experts in the law who were the ones looked up to. They were supposed to be the ones who knew all about scriptures, God's word, which at that time was what we know as the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. The problem is they missed the main point of God's word in not recognizing that this promised Messiah would come and make himself as a sacrifice for sin. It's there, but they refused to see it. They didn't see it. And so when Jesus did come, when Paul came and told them about Jesus, they rejected it because it did not fit what they thought. Um, you know, they thought they had found a God one that would accept them if they tried hard to do things right. But that's not the true God. Um, they thought they could make themselves holy enough. They were looking for a political Messiah. One with worldly power. One that would come with signs and miracles that demonstrated his power. But Jesus was not that person. Um, so they refused to listen to him. And once again, we see, even for these people, the wisdom of the world is frustrated by the wisdom of the cross. The <clears throat> wisdom of the cross frustrates even the supposed experts of our day, just as much as the philosophers and experts in the law of Jesus' day. The experts of today, one of the things they'll do they build this fancy satellite and send it up into space, peering to the very edges of the universe, they think, and exploring where did things come from? Where is the beginning of everything? And through these uh, telescopes in space, uh, there's the James Webb telescope and the Hubble before it, they found some amazing things about the universe, about black holes and supernovas and 
stars of various sizes. Uh, They have uh, found out about matter and antimatter. It's all very fascinating and interesting, actually, to, to learn about the universe this way, but they have not found God. And in fact, these, most of these scientists would be looking for proof that there is no God, that he doesn't exist. Now, they're also looking for the origins of life this way. They think they can find out where did life come from. Is, are there other worlds where there is life like on Earth? Well, many have concluded that the specific situation or conditions that allowed life to develop, as they say, on Earth, just cannot possibly be found anywhere else. They call it a Goldilocks uh, condition here on this Earth of, of stability and so on, so that life that it can sustain life, and there isn't any. In fact, it's really unlikely that this even happened. Um, there are others that believe that all life started on Mars. Have you heard that theory? And somehow then got to, to Earth. But basically, they haven't found the answers. They haven't found God. And to talk about a creator God, a savior God who sacrificed himself on a cross, well, once again, the wisdom of the world is frustrated by the wisdom of the cross. They don't want to see that. Then there are religious experts in this world. We'll represent them by this Center for Spiritual Living. Um, That they have some kind of wisdom. Their wisdom is uh, seeking meaning in meditation, in the hope of reincarnation, because that gives you a second chance. The hope of a life of service to others, that, that will give meaning to life. Uh, religious pilgrimages and rituals, that will, that will give us meaning. Uh, some are seeking meaning by simply being spiritual without even acknowledging that there is a God. There is no room in these people's thinking for a cross, uh, for uh, someone who sacrificed himself. There is no room for the power of God, so the wisdom of the world of its various kinds is frustrated by the wisdom of the cross. You see, a central problem of the cross is that it represents punishment and death. Um, People do not want to admit that they are sinful, that they have done evil, uh, that there was a need for something like this. So they try to prove that God doesn't exist or um, try to prove themselves right. It just doesn't work. The wisdom of the world is frustrated by the wisdom of the cross. But then we get to the other side. It's reading some of the same stuff as before. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, the God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greek look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, 
Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. To us, to us who believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the message of the cross has a whole different meaning than to the rest of the world. It is the power of God. It is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the cross is the power of God for us. Now, the term wisdom of the cross in some ways is like a paradox. The, to make this stand out a little more, let's, you know, what, the cross is a, was a means of execution. Let's substitute a different means of execution. What if you talked about the wisdom of the electric chair? Does that sound reasonable? How about the wisdom of the lethal injection? That doesn't make any sense, does it? It's, it's contradictory. Uh, the only power that such an instrument has in this world would maybe to get rid of some uh, violent, dangerous criminal to get them, get them out of this world so they don't cause problem for anyone else. But such is not the case here. The execution of Jesus on the cross was the main part of God's plan to save us. It has the power to cleanse from sin. Yes, Jesus came into this world. The Son of God became a human being to die. To be, first of all, burdened with our sins. To carry those sins to the cross, be nailed to the cross, and there to die, to pay for our sin, and then to rise again to life, to, to live forever. It was a terrible thing that happened to him. But it's also a terrible thing that we have done, the sins we have committed, breaking God's laws, harming ourselves, harming other people, by the, <clears throat> uh, even those close to us, by the, you know, the thoughtless things we have said, by the unkind things we have done, by the malicious thoughts we have had, and in, in little ways and big ways, these are all terrible things that cause this terrible thing to happen. But those terrible things that we have done have all been paid for, taken care of by Jesus dying on the cross, suffered the abandonment of his heavenly Father, suffered the pangs of hell hanging there, and finally died. But then, as he said, it is finished. It was all finished. Sin had been wiped out. The slate had been wiped clean. We start afresh. Our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. God does not see them anymore. They're gone. There is power in that cross in what Jesus did. And there is wisdom, of course, in what he did, too. The power of God, the wisdom of God. And this all comes to us through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Here's another part of God's foolishness in salvation. 
that this, this salvation comes to us through a message proclaimed or preached. We receive it through our ears. Yeah, we believe with our hearts, but first it comes in through our ears, through language, through uh, a message that can be comprehended and, and understood. Uh, it can also come in through our eyes if we read it too. But then it's processed in our brain. And from there, it is accepted. We accept it. We believe it. We make it our own. We apply it to ourselves through the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. It's a process we don't understand. It's a process the world completely doesn't recognize. Uh, because by nature, even we, even our sinful nature rejects this. But the wisdom of God comes to us through the working of the Holy Spirit. It cannot be comprehended by secular study. Studying it, okay. No, it can only be done through the work of the Holy Spirit when we actually hear, comprehend, process it in our minds. Um, and that can only be done by a being that has a soul that God created in us. It's not by animals, but only those who have a soul that God created uh, then, and with his help. The wisdom of the cross is the power of God to us. Let us just leave it at that. We can't understand it more. There is wisdom in the cross because God put it there. He made it the tool through which he has saved us and brought us back to himself and, and paid for our sins, so, uh, satisfied the demands of his, his justice, and that is conveyed to us through proclamation of God's word. So we comprehend it and understand it. We praise God that he has done this for us. So what now? Well, first of all, Know that the wisdom of the cross is rejected by most of the people of this world. We just have to recognize this as true. It's foolishness to them. Um, more than that, it is threatening to them. Because the, uh, whether they consciously realize it or not, the message of the cross is accusing them of being sinners. And they don't want to accept that. They don't like it. And often then they will reject and persecute anybody who believes it and, and proclaims it. And that's just the way it is in this world. Um, we may be tempted to simply be quiet uh, and, and not let anybody know what we believe. Like the story of the uh, young man who went up in the north woods of Wisconsin to, and he was a, you know, in the working in the, the forest there and cutting down trees. And it's kind of a rough area. And they came back and he says, well, how was it being a Christian in a, in a logging camp? He says, well, nobody ever found out that I was a Christian. Well, is that the way to go? But we just have to recognize that the people in this world will reject the message of the cross. Additionally, know also that our sinful nature agrees with the world. We have a part of us that wants to agree with them. This is where it gets tricky and dangerous. The Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts to change our hearts, 
to make them believe what, what God has done for us and the message he's given us. Uh, <clears throat> but it's, and it's given us even a whole new self. But we also have to recognize as long as we're on this earth, there is an old self, a sinful self, that agrees with the world. And we have to fight against that other self because it will want to agree with the world. Uh, now, in the explanation of the sacrament of baptism, Luther explains it, that this is done by daily contrition and repentance. Recognize that daily we sin. Daily we fall into the trap of what our sinful self wants to do, and then we are sorry for it and accept forgiveness uh, every day. When we fall in temptation, Jesus is there to forgive us. Uh, <clears throat> then also believe that the message of the cross needs to be spoken. The Holy Spirit was able to work in our hearts to give us faith to recognize this wisdom of the cross as the wisdom of God and the power of God. But that came to us through a message that was spoken to us or maybe read but often spoken. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. And so we preach Christ crucified. It's a message meant for everyone. Jesus died for everyone on the cross. Uh, <clears throat> yes, many will reject it, maybe even persecute us if we speak about it, but it has to be spoken to them so that those who are going to be come to believe hear about it and can come to believe themselves. And finally, praise God that you recognize the wisdom of the cross. We could easily be among those who reject this. But by the grace of God, we, he has caught us to faith to believe this message, to accept this wisdom of the cross so that we can be saved. Uh, <clears throat> so praise God for his grace and his mercy and leading us to believe in him. Amen.